Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. It's like a, he had to think for a moment before he remembered where it is. It's here. Ladies and gentlemen, you'd, it goes without saying, doesn't it, you'd, that you don't want to go to prison. Of course, I, I just said it, so it didn't go without saying there. It went with saying. But you don't even, it turns out you don't even want to know somebody who's gone to prison. For a reason you probably can't even imagine. So I'm going to tell you about it. Because that's part of my job. And it's not really a job. A uh, An American communications firm, and this is the magic of the marketplace at work, isn't it? It provides phone services to prisoners at a very high price. Well, you're in prison. You got the money. But it's been accused of harvesting location data on American phone users and selling it to the police with no oversight is all it's been doing. Senator Ron Wyden, Democrat of Oregon, has asked the FCC and wireless carriers to investigate how Securus Technologies, not Secaucus, Securus, has been allowed to buy records on people's whereabouts and share it with law enforcement agencies. All citizens, not just prisoners. Securus sold details of where you've gone based on your phone's geolocation thing to the cops. This is from the British tech journal, The Register. More about Britain in a moment. Wyden said he recently learned that Securus Technologies buys real-time location data from major wireless carriers, makes that data available to authorities. This practice skirts the wireless carrier's legal obligation to be the sole conduit by which the government conducts surveillance, 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 surveillance of Americans' phone records, says Wyden needlessly exposing millions of Americans to potential abuse and surveillance by the government, he added. Securus nominally complies with the required presentation of lawful process by allowing correctional officers to get data on any U.S. phone number by submitting a document that purports to be official permission. He says the company told him it doesn't verify that those documents submitted by correctional officers are actually valid court orders. Well, why would they... Oh. Wyden pointed to a report in the New York Times about how the former sheriff of Mississippi County, Missouri, well, they have a problem right there. Which is it? We started to type, and the sheriff of Mississippi County, Missouri, was recently charged for allegedly conducting illegal surveillance. Tom? Illegal surveillance. That's right. That's good. Through information gained from Securus's portal. Prosecutors claim he tracked the cell phones of a judge and state highway patrol officers, among others. And that's that. They're saying that as if it's a bad thing. It's not the first time Securus has run into trouble for its lax attitude toward privacy. Uh, three years ago, it was revealed the company had been recording conversations between inmates and their lawyers. Just a little, little thing borrowed from uh, Guantanamo and Abu Ghraib. See how things migrate. See how stuff spreads? It's almost a capillary action. The company claims nothing inappropriate or improper went on. That's good claiming. It's also being sued, is Securus, for the high prices it charges to its literally captive audience. In one of the jails it operates in, inmates pay $3.16 for the first minute of call time and service fees on top of that. 
makes those calls just seem that much more valuable, don't you think? Securus was asked for comment. They had none. I guess their phone was out. I mean, no, hey. And BMW, this uh, also at the top of today's calendar of spooky events. BMW, uh, the car maker, has been reprimanded after one of its TV commercials over in the U.K. Hey, here's news about the U.K. Uh, One of its TV commercials was judged to have been promoting faster, dangerous, and irresponsible driving. The uh, ad was designed to show off the company's four-wheel drive system. The U.K.'s advertising watchdog said it feared the mix of fast-paced scenes which intercut images of the car skidding with young children doing likewise in mud. (laughs) Kids like mud. Would encourage dangerous maneuvers on public roads. It banned any further screenings. The 30-second spot was originally shown way back last November, seen by an estimated 9.3 million people. How do you know their eyes were open? Do you know, by the way, this is just an interpolation, not just a tangent. Go with me, will you, on my little tangent? Do you know how long you have to see an ad on Facebook for it to count as an impression? Well, not you don't even have to see it. Your computer does or your device does. A second and a half. Onward. It's the third time in a row in about a year that the Advertising Standards Authority has upheld complaints about BMW. In the late, latest case, BMW had claimed all the cars shown had been driven in a safe and responsible manner, said several of the scenes had taken place on private dirt tracks rather than public roads. You'd know that, right, if you saw it fast? Oh, dirt track, private dirt track. I know that one. Furthermore, the manufacturer had denied its cars had truly skidded, instead describing the way their tires had appeared to slip as a slight reduction in traction. What about the sound effect? The standards agency said the fast editing cuts and use of the blur song had given the impression the vehicles had indeed been driven at considerable speed. It did uh, insist there had been at least one brief shot of a car appearing to skid. I know the feeling. It added that by switching back and forth between images of public roads and private locations, viewers would be encouraged to believe they could safely emulate the dangerous behavior during their everyday drives. Would you please not try anything at home that you see on TV, just as a rule? Just, you know, don't opine on controversial events in a kind of shrieky voice just because you see that on TV? In addition to forbidding the ad from being run again in its current form, the Advertising Standards Agency has also instructed the German company to avoid showing off its car's handling characteristics, quote, in the context of excitement, unquote, in the future. You do not want to show off cars. In the, you, 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 British Standards Advertising Standards Authority, have just put an entire industry out of business. Congratulations, and hello, welcome to the show.
only in states where it's legal. From London to San Francisco, L.A., New Orleans, and Chicago. From New Orleans, I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this edition of the show, and, and to all places in between, by the way. And now, news of our friend the Atom. Clean, safe, too cheap to meet. Save, cheap, too cheap to meet. Cheap, save, too safe to meet. Well, let's start out uh, on Plymouth Bay in Massachusetts, where um, on a concrete pad, about eight massive, no, actually eight massive steel-reinforced concrete cylinders hold the remains of the radioactive fuel that kept the Pilgrim nuclear power station running since the 1970s. The plant will begin decommissioning next year. It happens to us all. Pilgrim officials expect to fill another 54 of the so-called dry casks. At least they hope they stay dry. They're 18 feet tall, weigh 360,000 pounds, and emit small amounts of radiation. (laughs) That's cute. The concrete pad is a little bit more than 200 feet from the shoreline. The problem, according to the Boston Globe, is where to store the nuclear waste, especially since its current location won't stay above Plymouth Bay, 25 feet up there, for very long. As sea levels rise at an accelerating rate, I wonder why that's happening, increasing the threat that an extreme storm storm surge could flood the coastal facility. Tom? Pilgrim officials are considering whether to move the spent fuel to higher ground. Really? Weather? Plymouth officials and federal regulators maintain the current location is safe, at least for the foreseeable future. And then you ask the next question. How far into the future can you foresee? They note that the containers are designed to withstand flooding. I didn't hear an answer to that question. The containers are designed to withstand flooding. Local activists are urging Pilgrim to take action, worried that the daunting political obstacles to moving the task, the casks to a federal repository could force them to remain in Plymouth permanently. I think that's the way to bet. Deadline Brussels. Belgium will donate. Oh, sorry, will double. There's no donating in Belgium. They will double the area of its North Sea waters made available to offshore wind parks in just two more years, the government announced recently as a part of its exit strategy for nuclear power. What the? The country has four offshore wind parks, or offshore wind parks, as we say in English, that um, produce 871 megawatts of power. They want to increase that capacity to 2.2 megawatts by 2020 and double that by 2030. And double it again. I don't know if they're going to ever double it again. That's up to the Belgians, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, it's um, wind 
offshore wind. That is to say, not onshore. Deadline Amarillo, M. Tom, help me. Amarillo, Texas. Amarillo, Texas. In a sprawling plant near there, rows of workers are performing by hand one of the most dangerous jobs in American industry. Contract workers for the Department of Energy are gingerly removing the platinum, I wish, plutonium cores from retired nuclear warheads. Hey, we all got to retire. Many safety rules are in place, but a slip of the hand could mean disaster, according to Reuters. In energy department facilities around the country, there are 54 metric tons of surplus plutonium. The plant near Amarillo holds so much it has exceeded the 20,000 cores called pits, because they don't want to call them cores. Don't know. Regulators allow it to hold in temporary storage facilities. There are enough cores there in Amarillo to cause thousands of megatons of nuclear explosions. And here's the good news. More are being added each day. The delicate, potentially deadly dismantling of nuclear warheads at the Pantex plant in Amarillo has grown increasingly urgent to keep the United States from exceeding its limit of 1,550 warheads permitted under a treaty with Russia signed all the way back in 2010. The U.S. wants to dismantle older warheads so it can substitute some of them with newer, more lethal weapons. Russia, too, is building new, more lethal weapons. Let's, let's have a fight with them. What do you say? The U.S. has a vast amount of deadly plutonium, which terrorists would love to get their hands on. Under another agreement, Washington and Moscow each are required to render unusable for weapons 34 metric tons of plutonium. Keep the material out of the hands of bad guys and eliminate the possibility of the two countries themselves using it again for weapons. The two countries combined have 68 metric tons designated for destruction, but the United States has no permanent plan for what to do with our share. I say send it to Massachusetts, because they've already, nearly a decade after the earthquake and tsunami battered Fook, officials are still grappling with tons of radioactive water the facility generates daily. The uh, toxic mass of radioactive fuel caused by the meltdown of three of the six reactors resulted in massive amounts of water contaminated by the reactors being stored in a fleet of steel tanks that continues to grow. The tanks don't grow, the fleet does, just to make that clear. Authorities are now trying to figure out what to do with the radioactive liquid. You see a pattern here? We're like three-year-olds, ladies and gentlemen. We just make a mess and then figure out the grown-ups will clean it up. And there are no grown-ups. Currently, over 1 million tons of contaminated water are stored in the tank. TEPCO has to build a new storage tank for the toxic water every four days. Not the same tank. Just want to make that clear. Contaminated water that TEPCO can't contain enters the Pacific Ocean. Much of that is groundwater that have mixed in with untreated radioactive water at the plant. More, uh, that's at the rate of about 150 tons of groundwater seeping. That's not a seep. <laughs> Folks at the Weather Channel use the word seep to describe 150 tons going into the cracks in the reactors where it becomes contaminated. Actually, the utility is attempting to attain, contain the radioactive water by pumping it through a filtering system, leaving behind a toxic sludge that is then <laughs> stored in sealed canisters and placed God knows where. And Britain's big... Speaking of Britain, you're going to be hearing a lot more about Britain, some of you. Britain's biggest nuclear waste storage and reprocessing site is facing a multi-million 
$1,500 fine after an employee was exposed to dangerously high levels of radiation. That never happens. Come on. The nuclear regulator in Britain says its investigation has led it to prosecute Sellafield, which handles the waste from UK's nuclear power stations, as well as spent fuel from Japan and the US. This is where it goes, some of it. First time in five years that the Office of Nuclear Regulation has prosecuted the company. Only once every five years do they get prosecuted for dosing somebody with radiation? Come on. That's a good safety record, isn't it? Compared last time, Sellafield was fined almost a million dollars for sending bags of radioactive waste to a landfill dump instead of a specialized facility. How much of that you think is going on? Well, he couldn't put it anywhere else. And they went falsetto on you. Now, if the prosecution is successful, the firm is understood to be facing the prospect of a substantial fine, likely to be much larger than the million dollars, because this time an individual was affected, not a, not a dump. The uh, business has a two, uh, almost $3 billion a year turnover, so they can afford it. The case relates to an accident way back in February 2017 when a site employee was wounded while handling equipment, leaving him open to internal radiation exposure. He was decontaminated afterwards. That sounds like fun. But an investigation found the individual may have been exposed to radiation up to three times the annual limit. This is going to court in Britain. Stay tuned for more news about Britain on some of these stations. Clean, cheap too safe to, to meter. Too, too good to not dose yourself up with. Too hard to store the waste thereof. Our friend, the atom. Well, ladies and gentlemen, we know some more this week about <laughs> President uh, Trump. We know, for example, we knew this uh, last week that, uh, well, we've known for a long time, actually, that he, uh, he has a diet which some regard as challenging to the, uh, to the health of, of the person consuming it. And yet, he's, health, he's the healthiest man ever to be president. We, we learned that from his doctor, who then said a couple of weeks ago that, no, he didn't write that. The president wrote it. He just signed it. Which makes one... That was his doctor before he uh, attained office. We don't know if he wrote the uh, testimonial to his health that... Uh, most recent White House doctor, Dr. Ronnie Jackson, signed after the president's recent health exam. But we do know that there's uh, the revolving door continues to turn. Um, nobody left the administration this week, although there were reports that the Homeland, the, the Department of Homeland Security uh, director, was uh, called out out loud in a White House cabinet meeting by the president, uh, yelled at her, screamed at her by reports, judging by reports, for uh, not doing more to uh, control the flow of illegal Im immigration, which has been uh, his, uh, on the downward curve until this year. And uh, apparently he was ticked off about that. And uh, she told friends she was ready to resign. She really d hated her job. She was put in that job because she was formerly the assistant to John Kelly, the now White House chief of staff, when he was head of DHS last year. He is telling friends uh, that things are uh, challenging, 
again, reports that uh, Trump doesn't trust his chief of staff anymore, uh, chafes at the chief of staff's attempts to handle him or control him and uh, feels it's unnecessary. Why would you want to control him? And, of course, then there's the case of Rudy Giuliani, who appears to to, uh, not be controlled by John Kelly. Uh, This week he made another statement that had to be walked back by the White House, um, following up his uh, chain of statements, which um, elicited similar comments a week ago. Uh, The betting is on uh, at the moment among a lot of people as to whether Rudy Giuliani will be the next Trump lawyer to leave the administration. As I say, we don't uh, we don't know really from an objective standpoint how the president's health is these day th- these days, but we know how his diet's going. Hi, I'm the Donald, and I lost a White House staffer or lawyer a week on the amazing Mar-a-Lago diet. Imagine, eat all you want of as much as you want, whenever you want. No schedules, no substitutes, no plan. And at the end of each week, poof, they're gone. Like magic, but unneeded aids are the only things that disappear. You don't lose a pound. Guaranteed. Each week, the amazing Mar-a-Lago diet sends you the complete meals you ordered. Mouth-watering steaks, luscious burgers, french fries, you bet. And desserts? How about shakes? And not those pussy shakes. The real thing, rich and creamy. Just like we enjoy poolside every weekend. I ate everything I wanted, and I didn't lose a pound. By day four, my obnoxious pool boy was gone. I didn't lose a pound. Forget those fads. Forget counting calories. Or counting anything. I know the Mar-a-Lago diet works because I thought of it. You just eat and yell your way to the you you always wanted to be, but couldn't because I was being it. This special offer expires whenever the lawyers tell us it has to. So don't wait. Start your future of big, satisfying meals with no annoying plans or planners right now. Forget the lawyers. Act today and get with the Mar-a-Lago diet. And if you call or go online within the next two minutes, you'll lose even fewer pounds. The Mar-a-Lago diet. The minute you start... You'll hope you never finish. Lose this damn. Keep the pounds. Call now. Ladies, man. 
probably my last time to tell you, my last opportunity, that is, to tell you that uh, she, the aforementioned or the aforeheard Judith Owen, will be at our uh, our old familiar stomping grounds space in Evanston, Illinois, uh, the end of this month, as well as at Shank Hall in Milwaukee. There may be a special appearance by Derek Smalls at that. And then we'll be doing, Judith and I will be doing our regular Christmas show this December at Space in Evanston. So just remember, remember I said that because I won't be saying it here for very long. Th- uh, this is the show. And now, ladies and gentlemen, news of the godly. You've heard on this program about uh, Cardinal George Pell, the former prelate of Australia. Well, he um, he now his story now takes a somewhat different turn. Uh, last week we told you that he is uh, going to stand trial for uh, turning the other cheek, well, the other eye at least, when um, there were allegations of sexual uh, misdeeds among the bishops in his uh, area of concern. Now it appears he's he's uh, joined a, a still another goofy narrative of our times, the story of Environmental Protection Agency Administrator Scott Pruitt, who is, of course, mired in, oh, three or four scandals based on uh, his taste in travel and uh, expensive furniture, like soundproof booths for his desk. He was a mis- he has emerged, according to the Age newspaper in Australia, as a mystery desk a mystery guest who dined at a lavish Rome restaurant with Pruitt, 
to secretly plan a public debate challenging climate change. The rooftop dinner, which came three weeks before Pell was charged with historic child sexual abuse, was removed deliberately, apparently, from four different public schedules released by Pruitt's offices due to the allegations hanging over the Vatican financial chief. This puts uh, Pell squarely against the Pope, who has recently declared that climate change is real. Of course, Popes declare a lot of things real over the years. Pruitt is the subject of 11 separate investigations, as I say. Recently, it emerged he took a two-day trip to Rome last June, spending $120,000 with his team, including a dinner with aides at La Terrazza, a five-star restaurant. The menu starts at $240 a head. Well, don't eat the head. A series of documents obtained by the New York Times under Freedom of Information Act action show that one of Pruitt's guests at the dinner was Cardinal Pell. Pruitt apparently set up the dinner with Pell weeks earlier as part of its efforts to stage a debate between opposing China, uh, climate change academics. It was publicly known at the time that Pell was under investigation. His presence at the dinner, as I say, was left off four different schedules released by Pruitt's office. An EPA spokesman said this weekend Pruitt did not know of the allegations against Pell. I guess his allegation docket was full of his own. His former deputy chief of staff for operations, however, told the New York Times the EPA officials deliberately left Pell off printed schedules as they feared it would reflect poorly on Pruitt if it became public. It was a no-brainer, the former chief deputy chief of staff said, using his no-brain. Said uh, a, um, an aide to Pell, Samantha Davis, during the dinner, I'm at dinner with Cardinal Pell and Mr. Pruitt writing to a Vatican official. They discussed this article in the Wall Street Journal calling for a red team, blue team debate about climate change. Another email reveals Pell was going to give Pruitt a private tour of the Vatican Apostolic Palace, but that didn't happen. An EPA spokesman issued a statement saying the meeting did take place, emphasizing it was not a private one-on-one dinner, and the EPA did not know that Pell would be attending the dinner. A bishop under charges bursts into a, spe- a five-star dinner at a rooftop restaurant. Is that, the, is, that the, is that the scenario? Okay, got it. And also news of the godly, two members of a secretive evangelical church, those are always good, were charged this week in an unemployment benefit scheme that former congregants said was part of a plan to keep money flowing in despite the struggling economy a decade ago after the thing. As part of an ongoing investigation into physical and emotional abuse at the Word of Faith Fellowship Church in Spindale, North Carolina. Doesn't that make you want to join? The Associated Press reported that authorities were looking into the unemployment dealings of congregants and their businesses. It's, it's complicated, but it's godly, ladies and gentlemen. News, news thereof is a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Now, following up on um, an interview we had a few weeks ago here on this program, some news from outside the bubble about what is going on on the border between Myanmar, we call it Burma sometimes when we shave, and, um, and Bangladesh. 
this is where three-quarters of a million refugees are huddled in refugee camps as the monsoons arrive. This is the latest from The Guardian. In England, you'll be hearing more about England, Rohingya villagers who spoke to a U.N. Security Council delegation last week are in hiding, this is in their home state of Rakhine in Myanmar, after being targeted by the country's security agencies, members of the community say. Villagers who spoke to the Security Council delegation during their visit to the state in May, this is May, earlier in May, and shared their experiences of violence at the hands of the Myanmar military, have been forced to disappear after the security agencies launched a hunt for them. A Rohingya reporter told The Guardian that in the days before the delegation came, authorities in the township had warned the Rohingya in the surrounding villages against telling the envoys from the U.N. anything adverse about the government or security forces. Anyone disobeying the warning would face hard consequences, the authorities threatened, according to the reporter. Most villagers, strangely enough, then refused to speak to the envoys. In the village, three teenage boys and a middle-aged woman, though, were willing to defy the orders. Soon after the envoys left, agents from the Myanmar Military Intelligence Unit, Sarapa, and Border Guard Police arrived in the village looking for the citizens who had spoken to the envoys. Now they've been forced to flee for their safety. Some intelligence agents who accompanied the envoys had filmed the conversation between the Rohingya villagers and the envoys, said the reporter. As a result of their findings on the trip, the U.N. Security Council has called on Myanmar to speed up efforts to ensure the safe return of the Rohingya and to hold accountable perpetrators of attacks against the Muslim minority. Accountability, ladies and gentlemen. Search for it at your leisure, won't you? And uh, that's news from outside the bubble. Because you don't you, you wouldn't want to hear about that here. We got we got bigger fish to fry. We got jokes told in a uh, White House. And I and first of all, questioning the use of the word joke. You know this story. It's been all over cable news all this week. Uh, Kelly Hadley, I believe. She'll be in the apologies, but I, I believe that's her name. Um, was a, a White House communications staffer. She does communications. Um they were talking about the attempt to get Gina Haspel, a longtime CIA official, confirmed as the head of the CIA in the Senate. She's been appointed by the president. She has to be confirmed by the Senate. Check your constitution. And uh, in the discussion in the White House, Kelly Hadley uh, said, well, don't worry. John McCain had just come out against the uh, confirmation of Gina Haspel. And she had said, she, Kelly, had said, well, don't worry about him. He's dying or, uh, anyway. That, became, that was leaked, and a big storm about that. But the issue of Gina Haspel is about more than somebody saying something nasty about a guy with brain cancer. It is about her history of having presided over black sites that the CIA ran where enhanced interrogation, they enhanced it a little bit, you know, they just did some enhancements, took place. And her um, drafting of a cable calling for the destruction of the videotapes the CIA had of enhanced. They just didn't want you to see how enhanced it was. They were proud of their enhancements, but, you know, 
didn't, didn't want you to see the videotapes of the enhancements because, they, because they're really just a little too enhanced. Anyway, coming out of his secure, undisclosed location this week to comment on uh, the uh, testimony of Gina Haspel and the questioning about enhanced interrogation, uh, she now says she won't do it if she's CIA director. But here's a guy who thinks she should. Dick Cheney. Do you believe in hindsight? Well, here's Dick Cheney. Now. can study him and learn. Uh, the agency's in, he's in a difficult position. Uh, the Congress has acted. They have changed the law. Uh, and the agency has to and will operate by that statute. But, uh, you know, there are a lot of Monday morning quarterbacks in the terrorism business. <laughs> he, he said that he, if it was up to him, he would restart enhanced interrogation techniques, Dick Cheney. But there's a lot of, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking in the terrorism business. I guess that's the business uh, he, he's still in somehow. Um, Gina Haspel was asked by uh, California Senator Kamala Harris, who heard the beginning of her question, at her hearing, this question. Do you believe in hindsight that those techniques were immoral? Senator, what I believe sitting here today is that I support the higher moral standard we have decided to hold ourselves to. Can you please to. answer the question? Senator, I, I think I've answered the question. No, you've not. Do you? Do you? And it went on. Higher moral standard, ladies and gentlemen, by the CIA. That's what they've announced. And she's, she's going to adhere to, adhere to it. She's an adherent, you see. She is uh, she uh, odds-on favorite now to be confirmed. She's going to be our very own spooky Gina. Okay. 
passing lurks Now she's got the time to try To prove torture works No one but Spooky Gina Gets a gig more cushy Than a plush pashmina She becomes our jungle's very own Sheena Spooky Gina
And now, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to say one word to you. Just one word. Yes, sir. Are you listening? Yes, I am. Microplastics. Think about it. Will you think about it? Yes, I will. Enough said. Here's to you. A Minnesota researcher says she's tested municipal tap water taken from all of the Great Lakes and found plastic particles in almost all of them. Well, there are only five, so you could... The microplastics are even showing up in the new plethora of beers now being brewed with Great Lakes water. Mmm. Taste the plastic nourish... Place the plastic refreshment. This is from the Duluth News Tribune, by the way. Uh, Reporting on a study published this month in the journal PLOS One, Mary Kosuth, master's graduate at the University of Minnesota, found that eight of the nine tap water samples taken from all five Great Lakes had plastics in them. She found that all 12 brands of beers she tested with Great Lakes water in them had plastics inside. Your beer now with plastic. That means it won't uh, rot in your stomach. It's a global phenomenon, she noted, with a 2014 study reporting plastic found in 24 brands of Cherman beer. There you go. Try to escape. See where it gets you. She found no correlation between how much plastic was in the tap water in the city supply and how much was in the local beer. I blame the hops. I I tested a couple of beer brands from Chicago. Hello, Chicago. And one of them had the highest number of plastic of all 12 beers tested, and one had the lowest. So maybe it's not coming from the water source, or all of it isn't from the water. Maybe it's getting in during the brewing process. We don't know. Unquote. Well, let's do it anyway. We don't. We never let that stop us before. Plastic is so ubiquitous, Kosuth was even finding microscopic particles in the experiment's so-called lab blanks, control samples of water that were ultra-filtered. It's not clear if the particles were simply in the lab's air and settled into the water. Our study basically confirmed that this stuff is everywhere. Just like this program. All of the beer manufacturers used municipal water. All uh, beers were packaged in 12 or 16-ounce aluminum cans, 12-ounce glass bottles, or larger glass growlers. Excuse me. Uh, She looked at tap water from 159 municipal sources from 14 countries. 81% had plastic particles. Interesting fact, plastic production has skyrocketed from 30 million tons in 1970 to 322 million tons in 2015. It's got to go somewhere. Drink up. We need to change behavior among people in industries and improve policies to reduce the amount of single-use plastic, said the researcher. She hopes to continue her research to pinpoint the specific sources of microplastics in municipal water and beer. Mainly beer. News of well, just one word. Microplastics. And now, the apologies of the week. 
Well, on the subject of torture and rendition and stuff, Britain, I told you you hear more about Britain, has a somewhat different attitude toward all this. At least after a lot of prodding they do. This is Attorney General Jeremy Wright of the UK reading out a letter from Prime Minister Theresa May apologizing to Abdul Hakim Belhaj and his wife. He had not sought and would not receive financial compensation for his treatment at the hands of the Brits. But friends of the couple say the UK has agreed to pay Belhaj and his wife's substantial legal fees. Here's the apology. The Attorney General and senior UK government officials have heard directly from you both about your detention, rendition, and the harrowing experiences you suffered. Your accounts were moving, and what happened to you is deeply troubling. It is clear that you were both subjected to appalling treatment and that you suffered greatly, not least the affront to the dignity of Mrs. Buchar, who was pregnant at the time. The UK government believes your accounts. Neither of you should have been treated in this way. The UK government's actions contributed to your detention, rendition and suffering. The UK government shared information about you with its international partners. We should have done more to reduce the risk that you would be mistreated. We accept this was a failing on our part. Later, during your detention in Libya, we sought information about and from you. We wrongly missed opportunities to alleviate your plight. This should not have happened. On behalf of Her Majesty's Government, I apologize unreservedly. We are profoundly sorry for the ordeal that you both suffered and our role in it. The UK Government has learned many lessons from this period. We should have understood much sooner the unacceptable practices of some of our international partners, and we sincerely regret our failures. Dick Cheney, he's looking at you. Some of the people who showed up at public hearings to express enthusiastic backing for a new power plant in New Orleans were hired by a private firm to bolster support. Entergy acknowledged Thursday. It did not authorize such payments and had no knowledge of them until it investigated allegations that paid actors were among supporters at public meetings in October and February. Uh, we had that story last week from the Lens newsroom here in New Orleans. We apologize to the council, the community, and to the many supporters of the New Orleans Power Station project who took their own time to attend those public hearings and express their support for this important project. That was Entergy's apology. The group that they hired didn't know that they were going to hire actors. They just hired this group. The Hawthorne Group has been caught in this kind of situation before, the Lens reports. In 2009, Hawthorne was working for a pro-coal lobbying group against climate change. A company it brought on to help with the campaign sent phony letters falsely attributed to community groups to members of Congress. Energy might want to, you know, do a little due diligence next time. Ireland's leader has apologized for a scandal over inaccurate cervical cancer screening tests and has pledged an investigation to find out what went wrong. An internal audit had found potential errors in the smear tests of 209 women. Those findings weren't shared with the patients, prompting a wave of public anger. In an emotional statement, the Prime Minister said the Irish government is determined to get to the bottom of this and restore your faith in a service that should be about saving lives and never about saving face. Well, faith and face. You could... The U.S. is issuing an apology after a member of the Canadian Prime Minister's cabinet was asked to remove his turban by TSA agents. It happened in Detroit. Innovation Minister Navdeep Baines revealed in a televised interview how security agents repeatedly asked him to remove his turban even after he'd already passed through security and was at his gate. 
He's a devout Sikh. He says, wearing a turban is considered one of the most dutiful acts for a person of the faith. He was only able to fly after showing his diplomatic passport. Canadian officials contacted the U.S. government to complain and received an apology. Really? The U.S. government is apologizing to the rest of the world under Donald Trump? I had no idea. West Mifflin, Pennsylvania man who upset neighbors by displaying a Nazi flag outside his home has taken the flag down and apologized, borough officials say. Mayor Chris Kelly confirmed the man, who has refused to identify himself, has removed the flag and apologized to the borough for the turmoil he caused. All is good, said the mayor. A neighbor told a neighbor told a uh, reporter that while he wasn't offended by the flag, his girlfriend was. This flag went up several days earlier. The station reported the man flying the flag refused to identify himself or speak on camera, but told them he is not racist. He was just trying to annoy his neighbors. And a White House official called Megan McCain on Thursday to apologize after she mocked Megan McCain's father, Senator John McCain, and his cancer diagnosis during a meeting earlier in the day. Kelly Sadler brushed off the senator's opposition to Gina Haspel by saying, um, doesn't matter, he's dying anyway. Sadler called Megan McCain to apologize, according to a source. Sources told The Hill they believed Sadler's comment was intended as a joke, but it did not go well with others. Sadler did not respond to a request for comment. The White House did not deny that Sadler made the remarks, but had no other comment on them. The apologies of the week, ladies and gentlemen. It is and remains and will still be far into the future a copyrighted feature of this broadcast. Well, this program has been on WBEC in Chicago since this music was written, I think. Long, long time. That uh, wonderful association ends with this broadcast. Here's a, a taste of what you'll be hearing starting next week. Yes, they have five beeps at the top of the hour instead of just one. Enjoy them all. Ladies and gentlemen, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. The program returns next week at the same time over the audio device of your choice. And it would be just like being on the audio device of your choice if you'd agree to be with me then. Would you? Alrighty, thank you very much. Uh huh. Hey, you want to make your summertime plans right now. Derek Smalls of Spinal Tap fame and his Lukewarm Water Live concert tour lands in Washington, D.C. at Kennedy Center July 19th with the National Symphony Orchestra. I know. I don't believe it either, but it's true. Tip of the show chapeau to the San Diego, Pittsburgh, Chicago, in exile, and Hawaii desks. Thanks, as always, to Pam Halstead and to Garrett Pittman here at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's broadcast. The email address for this program, 
your chance to get Cars I Talk t-shirts for that big Memorial Day weekend, and um, the playlist of the music heard here on, and so much more, all available at harryshearer.com. And uh, stay in touch with me, if you'd like. I'm on Twitter, at the Harry Shearer. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans' flagship station of the Change is Easy Radio Network. So long from New Orleans. And good night.